That's Take okay. I can do it. Okay. I can do this and, and we can, I can multitask. Hi, I'm Dave. Du- <laughs> I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Cause I can't even walk. I can't, e- I can't even single task. Hi, I'm Dave Dufour. I'm John Shaw. And I'm Marsha Fulmer. And we are theater geeks. Hello, welcome to Theater Geeks, the podcast about community theater and the performing arts. Uh, we have discovered an article which is kind of interesting uh, by a author named Brendan Kiley, and he wrote this article in The Stranger, which is a, a stranger dot, thestranger.com, which is a, uh, a blog out of, uh, looks like the Northwest territories, uh, Seattle area. <laughs> and uh, this article is called 10 Things Theaters Need to Do Right Now to Save Themselves. And although much of this article uh, really deals with things that maybe focus on professional theaters, we think there's uh, there are a few nuggets here for community theaters. And so we're going to attack a couple of them in this and subsequent episodes. One of them is uh, uh, is the the first one on his list is enough with the bleep bleep Shakespeare already. Okay. And the idea is that, you know, maybe, maybe we have overdone Shakespeare. Now I don't think we have never done. We've never done Shakespeare. A lot of community theaters do do it. We don't do Shakespeare because it's our perception that at least in our area, it isn't going to sell. And we've seen, and we see examples of it in other areas. You can get, grants for this kind of stuff you can get you know educational support and if you can bring students in maybe it works but uh you're not the general public doesn't really want to come and see romeo and juliet unless maybe if it were a spectacular you know cecil b demille type of production possibly but well i don't know yeah let me just tell you david that in the past when we've done like surveys at the top of everyone's list was, oh, we'd love to see you do a classic or Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Now, if you put Shake, if you took them at their word and put Shakespeare on the season, guess how many would come and put their little fannies in our seats? Zip. Well, really? And, no, I agree completely. It's it's uh, everybody think they should say well, we I want think to they, see Shakespeare, right? Because you know that, and maybe it's because that's just something that they know. Well, you know, everybody uh, has to study Shakespeare in school, but you kind of get this impression sometimes that once you're done with high school, you're kind of done with Shakespeare uh, from people that they right. don't really want to see it anymore. So unless you're a real avid theater goer um, now I will say, okay, okay. Some of the new movie versions have been great. That last movie version of much ado about nothing by uh, Joss was it Joss Whedon that did it mm. was amazing. It, it really was. It was just, uh, yeah, it was well, a delight. I just saw Midsummer and that, with Kevin Klein. And, yeah. And, I loved it, but, and I've but seen we are, a gazillion times. But we're theater people, yeah, and we have a tendency to be tuned in more to that. But we have right. to tune into audiences that aren't necessarily kind. Yeah, it, good, depend, what, it depends on people. where you're performing, and in this area, right. I would say I don't care if we ever put a Shakespeare on our. You know, I mean, I re, I think it's great, and I think maybe if kids saw really good productions early on mm-hmm. and got. And got to where they would enjoy them the same way they enjoy a Ken Ludwig farce. Right. Because basically, his comedies are farce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shakespeare's comedies. Mistaken but, identities. Right. But but you have to, it's something that you have to kind of grow up with mm-hmm. and know about in order to carry it through after high school. Right. 
yeah. to where right. you would pay plunk down money and pay a ticket to go in and see a production. Uh, some of these, uh, you know, where they uh, productions where they change the time frame or transplant it yeah. into a science fiction format and that kind of thing is uh, one. Of the, I've I've read critics say that you know it'd be nice to actually do them as written at least once because we don't see them. We're seeing too many versions that are, you know, sort of not takeoffs, but that are are not really done as 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 Shakespeare had envisioned them. And it's really you know good idea to see those first. Uh, well, then, although those may be the ones that people would stay away from even more in droves. But, I don't know. But here's the thing. I mean, how did Shakespeare really envision them? He envisioned them at that era. Yeah. But if he, I mean, I I think that I mean, especially when you consider how what the staging techniques were at that time. Things were so simple that I mean, why can't they be moved forward? Were, so you're going to find no people that feel just the, the opposite of that too. That's right. And all the girls' parts were right. played by boys. Right. Right. But so I'm in. In other words, why? Why? I think most people would say, why should you relegate it to that era when it might be more pertinent to somebody if it if it's been updated? It's more about the story and the language than it maybe is well, the era the that it's set. I there's the rub. The there's, language. There's the big problem. With yeah, it is. People. Well, it's it a is. real problem for community theater yeah. because well, unless you've got somebody you who's know, trained in it. The funny part is, if I listen to, uh, and I'm going to get killed for this, um. But when I watch The Wire, um, an HBO series that I have a connection with, um, the first at least two or three episodes, they're talking street talk. Mm -hmm. And I don't understand a word of it. It's like. I don't understand a lot of Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. right. So it just depends on I'm on the era. I'm sure there are a lot of people that, that watch The Wire that get it completely. Right. But it's very hard for me to go through it. You have to keep at it. And I think that's the same way with Shakespeare. You have to really listen to the language and know what they mean by what they're saying. Well, don't right. most you know, we we're both we're all three familiar with the Stratford Festival up oh, in, yeah. up in uh, uh, Ontario, and they actually make an effort to educate the audience. They have you know you can get a a full synopsis, you can get you know everything from a little you know a review card that you can bring into the theater with you to a full book if you want to on each of the plays that they're producing that season. So you have an opportunity to get, get a handle on it. And so also, that's a good way to do it in a community theater too. I would think is to have something that brings people up to speed. Well, I, well sure. Sure. Yeah, I think first of all, first of all, you have to make sure that this is something your audience really wants to see enough to plunk down money to buy a ticket to see it. Right. Then you have to have a group of actors who are familiar with the idiom of Shakespeare, with the romance of the language, with the rhythm of the language, and with what they mean. I mean, there's words in that, in some of their speeches, what's a bare bodkin? Okay, it's a knife out of the sheath, but unless you have, you know, and that's one of the easier ones. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But there's all kinds of things like that, that it's so much easier if if you've studied it and you know it. And um, you don't have to study Ken Ludwig, you know, you just throw it well, on and there it is. But, and so, I mean, and so that kind of brings us to another topic though. I mean, because one of the reasons why I think it's successful at maybe the professional level, especially at a place like Stratford, it's because you've got people who have trained mm -hmm. 
uh, on how to study the language and how to create it mm-hmm. and then how to create the moment on stage so that they can convey the message. If it's a very difficult phrase to understand like bear bodkin, right? Cause in my head, I always say bear bodkin and I think of a bear butt, you know, right. a, a well, revealed butt. Mind, well, but that's, I mean, and I that's think what I hear when I first, if you don't know what the word means, when I think that's because it's also, yeah. that's kind of what it's become known that, mm-hmm. that, well, yeah. I mean, back then I think a bear bodkin was a, what you said, maybe an unsheathed knife, it but, is. but now so you're going to end your life with it, which is what he's talking about. I know, but I think now it maybe has taken on a different term. Anyway, and anyway, <laughs> now, thanks to Woody Allen who made a joke about bear bodkin. So, wow. but I will just say that, that, even there, some of their younger performers at Stratford, if you get a show that they're doing that's in Shakespeare and they're not, they're young and they're still not necessarily completely understanding how to develop their character and get through that language, I fall asleep sometimes. I've fallen asleep up there because they just don't get the language. Right. So if you are going to do Shakespeare in your community theater, I think your rehearsal process needs to start two weeks early. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, you need to sit and have sessions every night where like people come classroom and they, work almost exactly. You pull the scene apart, you put it back together again. You do that all with the language. Uh, like I was saying uh, that I used to have a, a professor when I was studying in England and I was studying Elizabethan poetry and he threw all the dictionaries into the center of the floor and and if we did not know a word from that poem, he forced us to get on our hands and knees in the center of the floor and look it up. Mm-hmm. Well, it was helpful because I, a I didn't want to come to class without having done my research, but b I I needed to know what that phrase was like bear bodkin right. so that I could know what it meant inside the poem in the context. Mm-hmm. So spend your two weeks and and make sure that as a director you've done your research and your homework before you get your actors started even probably standing up on yeah, stage. And this really doesn't address any, have anything to do with addressing the marketing issues or something no, like that. No, it doesn't. I was no. going to say for a community theater, you, we can be yeah. spectacularly good at it uh, here or any community theater and you have the problem of how do you market it? Stratford's advantage is that they have a? They do have uh, there's a, there's some government grants that go to producing those Shakespeare sure. plays every year. Are they right. they're supposed to produce like all of them in all of them in a certain, in cycle, a certain cycle, ten year yeah. cycle, or yeah, a seven year cycle, like that. Or something, yeah. And and the other thing is that they have a reputation and uh, mm-hmm. uh, for doing that. Plus, they also bring into their season non-Shakespeare oh, shows, yeah. which brings, I think, a lot of the crowd up there that then kind of it sticks does. around for some Shakespeare, It does, too. but also remember that their season goes, I think it starts in April. It goes six months. And it goes through the early part of November. Right. So April, May are student months. August, September, October are student months. And so they're also relying heavily on the fact that people are bringing their students to see these shows oh, okay. when they study them. I wasn't sure. Now, d- does this conversation also kind of apply to things like Greek tragedies? If you're going to do Antigone, oh, and, I think or so. Uh, uh, um, I mean, yeah, those Although kinds Medea of might be bloody enough to get a, to be enjoyed today. That's true. <laughs> I, well, I love well, Medea. I mean, well, maybe I you update. That. Maybe that's one you oh, update. Man. Update to the uh, rock and roll era or something. Well, you can. I don't like that. I'm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just. I guess I'm the odd person out. No comment. Um. Because I like to see Shakespeare done in the Elizabethan era, mm-hmm. not necessarily with boys playing girls' parts or whatever. But I just think when you try, I they keep showing on TV something with, oh, who is it? Um, somebody's doing 
Hamlet, only it's Mo- Kyle McDonald's, Kyle, what's his name is in it. And, and it just, it's jarring to me to mm-hmm. hear this language coming out of a guy in a tuxedo mm-hmm. and all just, yeah. it just to me, it just doesn't, it doesn't fit. And maybe it's because they don't make it fit. Maybe it's just not a good production, yeah. but, um, but you say, but so know. like you're doing, do, do you update or do you have, what do you do with Like you say, Medea might be bloody enough to attract an audience, but then there are also plays like, and we were talking about them before, Cyrano, oh, um, yeah. older, you know, plays, plays from the 1700s and, and maybe a little later things that are where the, and some of those pose language problems too. Still, yeah. yeah. But there are some great yeah. translations now, mm-hmm. too. Oh, but, well, okay. I've seen Cyrano a zillion times, and I never had a problem with the language. Okay. No. Um, but I, yeah, I I have no problem with the updating. If, if I thought it was going to bring people in the door to see the show, um, I wouldn't, I think, actually, I, I have to say, I think watching Medea done as a rock and roll opera might be kind of fun. But so I, I'm, Medea I go that direction. never fun. Well, but I think <laughs> the, the experience of it might be very interesting. Well, neither was Sweeney Todd fun in this traditional yeah, but that sense. that was Sondheim. Yeah, but, well, but classics are just difficult as a general rule. Yeah, I, I think, you know, you're looking at Moliere, and you know, even though they're great translations and trying to figure out how to sell them to the audiences is always very difficult. And that's one of the reasons why if you want to do them on your season, make sure that you have a season that's like stellar around it that you know is going to sell. Yeah. I mean, so we've just done, in case you Gilbert don't get audiences. Sullivan, and I think the, the, the record in terms of sales is, is variable on that. We've also done Oscar Wilde, which is probably about as old as anything that we've produced here. Uh, in in terms yeah, of non-musicals. Yeah, but we've only done The Importance of Being Earnest. Yeah. We've never done An Ideal Husband. We've never done Lady Windermere's Fan. I mean, those are things that are not really familiar mm-hmm. to this theater-going public. Do you think they'd sell? I don't know. I really don't. I kind of doubt it. No, but, I but don't think the, they would. Everybody <laughs> knows The Importance of Being Earnest. Right. And they have no idea, <clears throat> excuse me, that it's Oscar Wilde, you know. Mm-hmm that they're looking at a classic. They just know it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is fun. Yeah, yeah it is. All right. So, so you know, what I'd like to do is, is again, solicit some emails from our uh, listeners to see, you know, what your opinion is in terms of doing the classics. Also, uh, your opinions maybe in terms of marketing the classics. I was going to say, if, it's, oh, if, yeah. if you're doing them in your theater, which is successful. awesome because I've, you, you know, I've, I've loved it when I was working for the Shakespeare Festival in Indianapolis. Yeah. It was great. But we never got crowds. But so, how are you selling it if it's successful? Yeah, that's you know, great. Is it because you only have an eighty seat auditorium, so it does sell, or is it because you've got a two hundred seat auditorium and you figured out how to market it to the, your audiences? Yeah, yeah. I'd love to know that. Right. Well, maybe we'll find the answer for you, John. Thank you, Marsha. We want answers. We've got questions. Do you have answers? answers? There we go. All right. That wraps it up for this episode of Theater Geeks. We're going to touch on another one. I think another one of his topics, maybe in another episode episode. That's right. And so uh, be sure to stop by our website where you can listen to the podcast. You can also pick us up at the Blueberry Network. That's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y, Blueberry with no E's, dot com. You can also pick, Marshall loves this speech, and we can. uh, you can also get us on Stitcher, Smart radio you are on demand radio you can get us on the uh, tune in radio and really anywhere fine podcasts are sold and distributed you can find us uh, and if stop. you want to hear us larger than life yeah you go on apple tv and podcasts and there we're you go right there and we 
we're in stereophonic sound. They're right. Yeah, all we're on. The, we're also on the Roku box. Same deal. You can listen yep. to us off your widescreen television while you're doing you your housework. Can't see us, but <laughs> where you can hear us like really big time. Um, stop by the store. Yeah, theatergeeks.com forward slash bears. store. Bugs, teddy bears. You got a new favorite, or is it still no, no, mugs? No, no, still mugs and still teddy coffee bears. mugs. Okay, that's coffee all. Coffee mugs. Well, yeah. the beer steins are pretty good too. There you go. All I right. don't drink them. But well, that's all from us. I'm Dave Dufour. I'm John Schaub. <laughs> and I'm Marsha Fulmer. And we are Theater Geeks. Music for Theater Geeks was provided by MusicAlley.com. Theater Geeks is a production of the Dufour Creative Network.